All right, everybody, welcome into this episode of the Hopeless Sports Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor. We're here with Chase of the Let's Get It Podcast. And today we're going to give you our thoughts and an overall summary and breakdown of the 2021 MLB trade deadline. It was a lot more active this year compared to last year. I think the COVID season had something to do with the inactivity last year, but there's a lot of teams that feel they were in contention. And then there were a lot of teams that decided to start selling off their entire roster, it seems. So it led to a very entertaining and fun to hear about, watch trade deadline overall. So first off, Chase, I want to ask you, what was the trade that you think is going to be the most impactful for a team in terms of taking them to the next step to try to be more competitive? Yeah, well, I think you have to look specifically at that Dodgers-Nationals trade that sent Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. That trade is huge for the Dodgers because Max Scherzer, obviously, well, let's start with Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, most likely going to come back. This all but confirms he's not going to come back with the Dodgers. And, you know, this just puts them in a perfect situation to where they have a stacked pitching staff with Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller, um, Clayton Kershaw, Urias as well. I don't know if I'm saying that night, saying that right, but and then of course you have Trey Turner who as Braves fans, we were hoping he would leave the national league because he's just a, a Braves killer. But um, to me, one of the most exciting shortstops in the game because he's, incredibly fast he has sneaky power but he's able to split the gaps as well a good fielder and they're going to come in and right away help the Dodgers uh, immediately and then look at the national side of things I know I'm kind of rambling here but you look at the national side of things and they had one of the worst farm systems the past few years and then all of a sudden they're up near uh, at least the middle of the pack I haven't seen the rankings yet post trade deadline but I know that they're close to the top with what they were able to bring back in the, in the trade with those guys. So kind of a win-win if you look at it from, from both the nationals and the Dodgers. Yeah. So Josiah Grace, originally a two-way guy when he was first drafted, but is become, was one of the Dodgers premier pitching prospects. And that looks to be the direction that the nationals are going with their rebuild. And a lot of these trades that they've done, and moving all these key players aside from Juan Soto, who's looking like it's, he's going to be the rebuilding piece for this team. They went heavy with pitching. But the, the move I really like is getting Kybert Ruiz as well. This this is a – he's cut from the JT Real Muto mold. He's a very – he's a catcher, but he's still an very much an athlete at the same time. And given that they also went and got Riley Adams in a trade later in – uh, later on in the deadline to, when they gave up Brad Hand to the Blue Jays, I think that opens up the possibility of they could DH him, they could play him at first base down the line and use just be able to have the versatility to take some wear and tear off of his body because we all know that that's something that a lot of teams try to do when they find a premier player at the catcher position just because of the natural wear and tear of the position. They also picked up Donovan Casey, 
and Gerardo Carrillo. Casey, I believe, is is one of their better outfielders, and then Carrillo is a another pitching prospect as well. So, definitely a strong return on that end for them. The the move that that I think is going to really pay dividends down the line, at least for a team specifically so, solely in terms of that team is trying to be competitive and they got a lot better is I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with the Brewers picking up Eduardo Escobar. He, he can play both corner infield positions. He's a switch hitting bat with massive power and really adds a lot of uh, strength to that lineup that I, I don't definitely wasn't a weak lineup by any means at this point. I actually have the Brewers coming out as the National League champs at this point in the season, but he's he's a guy that's going to be able to at times really add back to this lineup and the first base position where they've been playing him the first few days since they've picked him up from the Diamondbacks because that's really been a position that the Brewers have struggled to fill ever since Jesus Aguilar had that down year in Milwaukee before he went over to the Marlins. So I really like this signing for Milwaukee. I think it really allows them to add some offensive uh, firepower to a team that's got probably the most stacked pitching staff in all of baseball. Yeah, you, you mentioned the lineup and Escobar. It's not necessarily comfortable at first base. We saw that over the weekend when Milwaukee came to Atlanta. He he didn't look the most comfortable at that position, but he was able to play solid third base. And like you said, he's a switch hitting bat, um, able to help that middle of the order. And Christian Yelich coming back and Willie Adamas as well as another trade that they made, not at the deadline, but he, had, but he was uh, earlier in the year from the Rays. And he's just sort of... Um, his offensive side has just woken up since he's gone into Milwaukee. So that's definitely a, a much stronger lineup with him in there. And then, of course, when Yelich comes back, he hasn't necessarily played to that MVP level that he was at a few years ago, but he's definitely still got uh, that kind of potential in him. He definitely uh, is still going to be a, a huge piece in that lineup. And Milwaukee, like you said, I don't, know if I'm necessarily ready to call them the favorites in the National League, but they are definitely in there. They're definitely going to be in that discussion for a World Series, though. Yeah, it's it's the funniest. The funniest thing to me in this situation is seeing kind of how concentrated within some of the divisions a lot of the buying was uh, this past weekend where it's as if everybody in the AL East except for Baltimore really believes that they have a shot at this thing to either win the division or come in through a wild card spot. The Blue Jays bought really bolstered a pitching staff when they already have one of the stronger lineups in the AL, adding Jose Barrios as well, for which was still a very strong prospect haul for Minnesota. They, gave up, they got two of... Toronto's top 100 prospects, one of them being Austin Martin, who is both a, a outfielder slash second baseman, not a strong defender, but one of the premier bats in, in as far as prospects are going. And then Simeon Woods Richardson, who 
I believe previously was in the Twins organization at one point and is coming back and is also going to be a pitcher, I believe, that's going to make a big difference for them. But you got the Blue Jays buying, the Red Sox went out, a team I thought was going to be a lot more aggressive at the deadline with how the Fenway Sports Group loves to spend money. But the the biggest move they ended up getting was going out and getting Kyle Schwarber for a, a pitching prospect from the Nationals, and they didn't really do much on that end. And then definitely the, the two biggest moves from the – as far as the AL East goes is the Yankees, no surprise, getting Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo, a couple of big-time left-handed bats for a lineup that really lacked any kind of intimidation factor from the left-handed side. But they gave up some of their – better prospects and a loaded Yankees farm system. So I'm very fascinated to see how this looks, uh, especially with the, this Yankees Rangers trade for Joey Gallo, just considering the sheer number of pros- the, the Rangers got four prospects back in that trade. So this is definitely something that down the line, we could see half of the Rangers lineup, be former Yankees prospects at some time. So definitely not going to some, – some, there's some of these where there's quick buying and it's one or two moving parts where you can you feel like you can make a prediction pretty early on. But some of these, I, I, I don't think we're going to be able to tell who really won or lost the trade maybe five or six years down the line. Yeah, you mentioned what the Yankees were able to do. They were also able to get – Anthony Rizzo. I was going back to the other teams from the AL East. I, I was a little disappointed in Boston. I was hoping, well, not necessarily hoping, but I would have thought that they would try and get another first baseman. Anthony Rizzo was the best first baseman on the, on the block. And, you know, Kyle Schwarber was a good pickup from Washington, but at the same time, I don't necessarily with his with his defense, trust him to be the everyday first baseman. Also, um, I know you and I have talked about, you know, lefty, lefty, righty, righty matchups are, are overrated. We've, we've gotten on to certain coaches for that, but I, I don't necessarily trust uh, Kyle Schwarber in those um, in games where they're going to be lefty, lefty situations. And, um, you know, I think his numbers are, are very different in that regard. And um, he, he's hitting, you know, 240, uh, slashing 360 slugging percentage against lefties, and he's slugging 653 against righties and has a 736 OPS against lefties and 976 OPS against righties. So um, the splits are definitely um, – Concerning with Kyle Schwarber, I don't think Boston necessarily has uh, another first baseman on that roster that I can necessarily trust. And so um, I was a little disappointed with them from that regard. And, you know, they're they're right there in the AL East. I think they're a half game behind now with the Rays lost last night. But, you know, I, I was a little bit disappointed with, with them not being able to go out and get a first baseman and the Yankees going out and getting two of the most powerful left-handed bats to 
to hit a bunch of home runs in that short porch and in right field at Yankee Stadium. Definitely a great pickup. I, I think that what Boston is, is betting on is alternating Schwarber and J.D. Martinez in that lineup. Of course, you've also got Hunter Renfro, who has got strong splits as a right-handed hitter and is much better against lefties but he's a bit inconsistent at times and a high strikeout, low on base kind of hitter. But that's that's the direction it looks like the game is going where teams are going to bet on getting opportunities to where their hitters are going to be able to get ABs towards their strengths. And I think the, the, the interesting part to me is how different this trade would have looked going the other way for Washington – if Schwarber hadn't have had that ridiculous June where he was hitting, it was it was just hitting home runs. It seemed every single game and single handedly carrying the Nationals' offense at times. And I think you go from possibly giving getting a maybe a, a bullpen piece in return to getting a very strong prospect in Aldo Ramirez solely because of the uh, Schwarber's kind of resurgence in the Nationals lineup in the last couple of months leading up to the deadline. Yeah. Well, that as well. And going back to the Blue Jays too, I, I don't necessarily think that they're out of that race. They're only four games back in the, in the AL wild card. But at the same time, I think that they gave up too much. I don't. I don't think that Jose Barrios is necessarily worth that that overhaul that they gave the Twins in return with the prospects. And of course, like you said, we won't necessarily know who won that trade until a couple of years from now. But this this trade is kind of head scratching for me, considering the the Blue Jays are third in or fourth, excuse me, in the AL East. Of course, like I said, they're not necessarily out of the playoff race, but to me, he's just not a guy that's worth getting. And I I think that um, they could have gotten a little bit, given up less value for him than what they they ended up doing. Yeah, my best guess is it's, it's, the value of the next best alternative. Max Scherzer is really the only other really top line starter that seemed to be available in, in trade talks. And given the, the current financial situation in Toronto and how young their guys are, I don't think they really want to take on that kind of contract that Scherzer has. And of course not it. There's probably only one or two or maybe three clubs in all of baseball that can eat up the kind of payroll that the Dodgers are at. I think something like 290 million when the second highest is 209 million. And I think, like I said, the value of the next best alternative, I think Barrios is really what was left. And I, I do agree with you though, that I think that was an awful lot to give up for, a guy that's he he is having a good year, but he you've got the rest of this season and then only one more year left of team control before he's hitting the free agent market. 
the 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 other move that the the other team I should say that I think really took a step forward and it's really showing the all-in kind of approach similar to the Dodgers I think uh, is, is is coming out of the AL Central order and I, I'm going to go with um, Chicago and the, the, the White Sox in this situation really took the first off really took a, an already strong bullpen and made it elite by adding Craig Kimbrell to the mix. You've already got Liam Hendricks in there. Although I think it'll be interesting to see whether how they shuffle around that pin, whether they make Kimbrell the ninth inning guy, whether they keep Hendricks as the ninth inning guy. Although Kimbrell is pretty much from his time as a rookie and for the Braves was really a closer right off the bat. And we'll see if how he adjusts to that situation. Really uh, gave up Co- Cody Hoor, I believe is how you, how you say it, uh, as kind of the replacement relief pitcher. And then Nick Madrigal, who is really one of what was one of the White Sox better prospects, has put, spent some time in the majors, had issues with staying healthy, but maybe a change of scenery can help improve his situation there really a strong very good contact hitter at second base kind of a kind of a right-handed Adam Frazier if you will so we'll see if he's just kind of a filler piece while the Cubs try to build up their farm system or maybe they they go with a more small ball approach towards this rebuild yeah I was I was that one was surprising to me I think that it definitely helps both teams. Like you said, Chicago make the White Sox, I should say, are making it very clear that they're going all in. They got two relievers. They got Ryan uh, Tapera. I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but I'm also, or they also got Craig Kimbrell, like you said, and they gave up Nick Madrigal, which was surprising to me. I, I think that, I think that that's definitely going to be a, a guy for the Cubs that they can, rebuild on and like you said I don't know if they're necessarily going for that that small ball approach for their rebuild Um, I think there's they're still early on in the rebuild as well so he could just be the the top of the order guy or the bottom of the order guy for or leadoff hitter or eight hole hitter that that they're looking for to you know get a old-fashioned high on base percentage um not strike out a whole lot but like he said he's had some injury problems but definitely has shown flashes with the glove and and can be that sort of contact guy for them and um, a guy that they could definitely build around there's as as we look at kind of this dismantling of the core in Chicago with the, the Cubs trading away Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell, and uh, uh, really just kind of and, – and Anthony Rizzo uh, forgot him for a second. There, there's a certain team that th- this really reminds me of, and I, I want to see if you agree with me on this, Chase. Th- does this whole situation kind of remind you of – that Kansas City Royals team with Alex Gordon and Eric Hosmer. These guys came in as a young core under team control in an organization that's 
known historically for kind of having a curse that they they deal with. Obviously, a hundred years is a lot longer than having a what was it, twenty five, thirty year somewhat like drought, drought in Kansas City. But these guys all all came up together, played together in the farm system, and you thought that they kind of had the potential to string multiple championships together, but in the end came out with one world series that kind of got the, the, the monkey off the fan bases back. And I think regardless of how some of these guys perform in what looks like to be probably the second half of their career, I think they will always be respected and always be adored in the Cubs fan base. Absolutely. You still see, I mean, I think that's a great comparison. I was thinking that that Kansas city team could definitely string along a couple of, of, or at least not, not necessarily win more world series, but they could definitely still be right there every single year. Of course, Eric Hosmer, um, the very next year signs that big eight year deal with San Diego and, you know, Alex Gordon stayed around for a couple more years, but that was definitely a team that could definitely or could have gone on and, and done more. And I think that they're very similar as well in the fact that, yes, they had all these guys come in. Anthony Rizzo, of course, started his career with San Diego and Boston, I believe. Not just San Diego, I think, and then was traded to Chicago. Chris Bryant was second overall pick Javi Baez was a a top pick as well and you know those guys like you said came up in the farm system and you know played together for so long and Javi Baez is a free agent after this year and he hasn't necessarily ruled out re-signing with Chicago in the offseason and you know I, I think that you know it it was a little bit disappointing you, you thought that Chicago would be able to to you know not just win one but you know hopefully win another one or so at least get back to another one but you know after they after they won that world series it's been quick playoff exits every year after that including last year being upset by the marlins and you you see you see that i I think that they made a couple of head-scratching trades that didn't necessarily work out. Of course, they gave Jason Hayward that that huge deal that did he deserve? You, not really because he he has major splits and isn't necessarily a, a everyday player for them. And, and just some, some head-scratching moves. Of, of course, Theo Epstein left as well, but I think that's a very good comparison that they, they – didn't necessarily have string along a consistent amount of success as you had hoped, but they will always be beloved because they broke the curse. And, and another kind of aspect of this situation in Chicago that reminds me of Kansas city. Who's, who's the one guy left over in Chicago that they decided to uh, keep after the trade deadline. Wilson, Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras, who is the one guy that's left around from that World Series run in Salvador City. Perez. Yep. So, definitely 
I'm kind of surprised that Contreras is the guy that they they picked. I guess it maybe it comes from more of a leadership perspective with him being at the catcher position and kind of acting as the quarterback of the, the defensive positioning. Maybe that has something to do with it. Given given the pull that Rizzo has in that clubhouse, I understand they got a great return back from the Yankees in that trade, but I, I'm surprised Rizzo wasn't the guy that they really decided to keep around long-term. But this definitely looks like it, it's been a big shift. Well, another since- reason is Anthony Rizzo is a free agent after this year, so I guess they, they didn't. They knew that they would be going in a direction where, um, where they, uh, where he was not going to be re-signed. He was going to be a little bit too expensive. They knew they were going to be rebuilding. He's, I want to say, about thirty-one years old, and just a guy they did, they ne- didn't necessarily want to pay for, and so they were able to get a big haul from the Yankees in return for him and. Uh, a guy that I I guess they they just didn't see being a part, or I should I I don't want to say that, but a guy that was going to be a little bit too old for them in this rebuild. Yeah, it it the, there's definitely been a a shift in terms of the the spending habits of the Cubs organization since this new ownership group took over a few years ago. And they, they kind of alluded to the fact that they were going to start a rebuild. They, they're they not willing to spend the kind of money that the old ownership group was willing to spend to consistently stay in contention. And I've it, it's kind of a shame. Obviously, you always want players to be paid and you want teams to consistently stay competitive and there not be this kind of merry-go-round of, teams tanking because nobody really wants to watch a bunch of one-sided baseball games but the the biggest thing I think that really hurt the Cubs over time was run running into the the Dodgers in the postseason the, the their ability to not only stockpile free agent talent and make trades for guys and sign some unbelievable contracts but also developing a monster farm system has really put them at the helm of the national league and made it a lot harder for some of these other teams within the NL to compete. But the team that I think has the chance to give them the biggest run or two teams, honestly, are teams within their own division. You look at the giants having the best record in the national league at this point, a lot of, Older players, I believe they're the oldest team in baseball, having a resurgent year and really showing that, I, I guess, knowing how to win can come in handy at times in close games, especially when you're playing some top teams in the National League within your own division. And then the Padres, who, unfortunately, Fernando Tatis injured his shoulder a few days ago. We'll have to see how long the recovery process is going to be for him in that regard but San Diego making plenty of moves at the deadline as well with and trying to play keep up with the Dodgers and San Francisco also making one 
major move in terms of adding Chris Bryant to that lineup to really bolster it. So of these of those two teams trying to give the Dodgers a run for their money, Chase, which team do you think had the better trade deadline? Well, I, you look at both of these teams and for the Giants, I, I think that their top pit their top prospect was catcher Joey Barton they weren't they were fortunately didn't have to give him up in the trade I think that the Cubs really wanted him in that Chris Bryant deal but the Giants were able to get Chris Bryant without without giving him up and then Evan Longoria is on the 60-day injured list so Chris Bryant's able to slide in there and, and play third base for him I'm guessing Evan Longoria will go to the bench after that but you look at what the Padres did I mean they they just added guys I mean guys that they didn't even necessarily need I feel like and um, you know the Adam Frazier move was definitely head scratching for both of us I he's a great player he was the starting second baseman in the all-star game I think they've been having him play left field for them since he's been there, of course, they have Jake Cronenworth at second base and, and Kim at shortstop to, to back up Fernando Tatis Jr. And so been having him play left field, but it, it's a very deep team. They're, they're outfield. It can all start. They, of course, have Tommy Pham, Will Myers, and who's had a much better year. They went out and got Jake Marisnik, and, you know, they're, they're a team that – they're clearly going for it. Um, if I'm leaving out a, another pitcher that they got at the deadline, it, let me know. But da- Daniel Hudson added Dan- him as a bullpen piece as that's well. Right. That's right, and you know it's they definitely got a lot better. They one of the deepest teams in baseball, and I don't necessarily think they're going to come back on either the Giants or the Dodgers in that division, but they are a team that, that's going to be a playoff team and a team to watch out for as well. They could definitely give Dodgers a run for their money. I think they lead the season series right now. But, you know, I, I they got guys that I didn't think they necessarily needed, but they did get stronger. They They are better. I think they could have done a little bit more with starting rotation. I think Blake Snell has underperformed a little bit this year. Um, Hugh Darvish has been very good. Chris Paddock has been good as of late, and, and Joe Musgrove as well. But, you know, I, I think they could have done a little bit more to get that, that fifth guy in the rotation. Yeah, we we saw that they they made a strong push for Max Scherzer, and it looked like at at towards the the, the earlier part, earlier days leading up to the deadline, that they were going to be able to pull it out. But then, LA sees the opportunity and dumped some of their best prospects over to the Nationals, and showed that they, I guess, have even more of a win now mentality. The, the trade that's kind of the head-scratcher for me is the Daniel Hudson trade. Padres have very strong bullpen already. You've got multiple arms that can face any 
different type of hitter, Mark Melanson, Emilio Pagan, those kind of guys. And you had Daniel Hudson to the mix for giving up uh, Mason Thompson and Jordy Barley. And Jordy Barley is, is, is very solid player, not the biggest, but not the biggest name, but Mason Thompson is one of the better pitching prospects in baseball. And that's definitely, I think a lot to give up as far as giving up a starting pitching prospect for a bullpen piece. That's I believe Daniel Hudson isn't, isn't the, the youngest guy out there in the trade market, especially when they, there, there was Kimbrell, out there, Danny Duffy also went to the Dodgers, another possible starting pitching option that the Padres could have added. And then the Blue Jays getting Brad Hand from Washington and adding Joaquin Soria as well. Would have I think it, it would have been a better move to get a guy maybe like a Rysel Iglesias because I, I think he, he's a multi-inning reliever with some pretty nasty stuff and he's also it's it's a going across leagues he's obviously pitching in the American League with the Angels so I think you're gonna have a little bit have to give up a little bit less to to get him in order to be able to make that trade happen so hopefully for for the Padres sake they don't kind of get caught up in the moment here a little bit and start over overspending a little bit on these giving up some of these better prospects in order to grow their chances of winning in a window that I think is plenty wide enough already. Yeah, I think that's that's been my biggest concern with what San Diego has done over the past few years is you know, they've built such a, a strong farm system. They and the them and the Braves were top three multiple years in a row the past couple years and they've gone out and they've spent a lot over the past few years they given Eric Hosmer that much that much money a couple years ago he hasn't been great he's been good but you know they've gone out and have made all these trades and they've, they've got Mackenzie Gore who's one of the top prospects in baseball there in the minor leagues he's number five overall as of last year and, and I, I think that they just needed to to sit back and, and let some of these guys um, develop a little bit more before they, they spend all of this money. I understand that they have a team right now that can compete, but at the same time, they're the third best team in the NL West right now, and they're currently fighting for that second wild card spot. I think that the, the Dodgers are surely top spot, and the Reds are only four games back, and they've made a few moves as well. They've got one of the best lineups to to be able to hit, and Great American Small Park, Great American Small Park, I should say, and um, Son- Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo have both been better as of late, and I, I think that they're going to be right there. But San Diego needs to. Um, I think that they just needed to let a few of those guys develop. Yeah, it's it's definitely a situation. I, I, I think Mackenzie Gore really has the potential to become the ace of that pitching staff. 
I think it would have been – I don't really think San Diego was anticipating Blake Snell to kind of regress the way he has, but at this point, is there ever a trade that the Rays don't finesse the living crap out of the other side in at this point? It's the best run organization in baseball. I say that because they are consistently one of the have one of the least they have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball every single year and yet somehow they consistently have one of the best farm systems. They develop talent better than anybody that is around and you see a lot of these guys get traded from Tampa, not necessarily have the best careers afterwards. And of course, Andrew Friedman was the GM for six years in Tampa. He goes to Los Angeles and he's able to do the same thing there. Los Angeles, the the Dodgers have one of the best farm systems as well. And they're able to pay for guys that are able to go that he wasn't necessarily able to do in Tampa and, and so they are able to – the Rays every single year are able to, to get some quality guys that aren't necessarily the most expensive. Of course, a guy like Charlie Morton a couple of years ago and um, this year going out and getting a Nelson Cruz. They're able to, to get the best out of these guys uh, for low expensive. And then you have a guy like Wander Franco come up here this year so um they're always going to be in it they're always going to be um going to have a bunch of prospects that are coming up and and once they get the best out of these guys they're able to trade them and, and get more yeah the only the only situation where they seem to have missed out on was was the Willie Adamas trade with how his production has really surged at Milwaukee and I think that was really just more of a change of scenery kind of thing that really helped Willie get his feet under him. But we've made it this far into the show and we've yet to mention the, the, the thing that's on both of our minds and that's the, the national league East and especially our Atlanta Braves. So Chase, what are your thoughts on some of the moves that Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves made at the trade deadline? Trust in AA. I you tell me that all the time, and sometimes I just like to be pessimistic. I don't know, but you know he he went out and he did everything right. He went and got the top pitching or one of the top relievers on the market, and Richard Rodriguez, right before uh, the deadline ended at, at four o'clock. Um. And he gave away a pitching prospect that is currently out with Tommy John. He's lower in the farm system. Then he gave up Bryce Wilson as well. And Bryce Wilson, a guy who, of course, pitched the game of his life in what was a game four of the NLCS last year. But other than that, he's really just been a taxi guy going back and forth from the minor leagues to the majors and not necessarily knowing where he's going to be pitching every fifth day and he he got the opportunity um i think it's a good opportunity for him going to pittsburgh he's most likely going to be in the rotation consistently with the pirates um able to uh, 
not necessarily have to look over his shoulder every single every single day necessarily not necessarily he's going to he's going to be able to just stay put and be in the organization in the majors consistently and maybe be a part of that rebuild for them and then in return the Braves got a great reliever in Richard Rodriguez going to be that eighth inning guy along with Chris Martin to to be able to bolster that Braves bullpen that they needed. Yeah, that's that's definitely been that's that's the biggest move I think that the Braves made. I think I think it'll even pay more dividends down the line when I really anticipate some of these guys in the Braves bullpen that have struggled this year to really kind of return to the norm pitch like how they pitched a lot of the of last season with the shortened 60 game season but for 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 our listeners out there that aren't i guess local to the atlanta market it's it's quite it was quite the entertainment to to listen to some of the local sports radio here in the atlanta area at about four o'clock or four fifteen and a 15 minutes or so after the trade deadline because the the Rodriguez trade and I believe even the Jorge Soler trade with Kansas City didn't didn't come in until uh, quite a bit of time after the trade deadline so there was a lot of cynicism and a lot of criticism going out towards the the Braves and or the owner the uh, ownership group Liberty Media towards uh, their unwillingness to spend money, unwillingness to be active and go get guys. So the the kind of complete 180 in the narrative that they had to do about <laughs> 10 minutes after that when yeah. all these trades came in was definitely something that was entertaining to listen to. Yeah, definitely had to backtrack on their, on their words. But, um, you know, what I have heard and what I have – basically seen from Liberty Media are they the best ownership group I don't know the Braves have never been an organization that's going to go out and pay ridiculous amount of money give these guys max deals uh, max deals it's not the NBA but you know what I mean unless it's Kenshin Kawakami unless it's Kenshin Kawakami thanks a lot Frank Wren John Sherholtz but you know, I think that Alex Anthopoulos learned a lot from his time in Toronto going after all of these big trades. But I back to Liberty Media, I, they're not the Braves are not an organization that's going to go and spend a bunch of stupid money on on guys. They're going to, you know, get solid free agents like they did with Josh Donaldson, like they did with um, with uh, this year with Charlie Morton. And they're going to. Um, that's those are the biggest kinds of trades that the Braves are going to make. They're not going to go out and or biggest signings that the Braves are going to make. They're not going to go out and pay three hundred forty million for Bryce Harper. But everything from what I've heard that Alex Anthopoulos has asked for, the Lib- Liberty Media has done that. And you know, it's fun in the off season to see all of these big signings, like what the Mets do every year taking a little bit of a shot like what the Mets do every year but when you do that you're just left paying overpaying for guys like a Ioannis Cespedes and, and 
it, it doesn't necessarily work out. It, it feels great at that time, but it, it doesn't necessarily work out. And, and every move that the Braves have made um, this year has just, it, it just made sense. They gave up seven prospects for Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, Stephen Vogt, um, Adam Duvall, and Richard Rodriguez, and those seven prospects just didn't really fit the bill as a part of the future. And uh, multiple of those were were first baseman prospects where for a team that it's really anticipated that the Braves are going to lock up Freddie Freeman long-term and just have the, the best first baseman in baseball hanging around for the next decade or so. Now, obviously, Chase is on the more cynical side and at this point still refuses to believe that that's going to happen. It's just better to be pleasantly surprised than devastated. That That is definitely the story of Atlanta sports in general. But it's, yeah, like you said, the Mets, Steve Cohen comes in, spends a ton of money. We have the, the owner... After the right after the Bryce Harper signing, you said they were going to spend stupid money, and the the Mets kind of are at this point lead atop the. It's 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 funny to me because it's the same situation, but it's yet completely different. The Mets, to me, the moves that they make at the on paper usually make perfect sense, and. This is, this is going back even to the previous ownership group, going back to around 2010 or so. They make moves that make sense on paper, and then just, I, I call it messy and things happen. Got in, guys get have chronic injury problems. Guys just seem to get in their own head about being in the New York market or some, something along those lines, and they just tend to struggle. I think that's kind of what's happening here with Lindor so far in his short run in New York. And so we've seen that happen with guys like Johan Santana, Matt Harvey burned uh, was a star that burned bright, but very for a short amount of time at the same time. And then on the other end of the equation, you have the Phillies that they just seem to be throwing a ton of money at to me at the, at the biggest name they can possibly get. And whether it really makes sense or not, I think that's really been the reason as to why Philly has been struggling in the division the past few years is they go out and they get these big names and you end up with some of these massive glaring flaws like a complete inability to play infield defense at times. Yeah. Do I think that any of these moves for the Braves are going to make them World Series contenders? Absolutely not. I think without Ronald Acuna Jr., they aren't a World Series contender, if I'm being completely honest. And, and, you know, we have both said being okay with a bunch of division championships is just getting old. And this team should be competing for World Series championships every year. But at the same time, um, showing showing the team that yeah you're four games out entering today you can still you can still make it um you can still and and then anything can happen in october and and so we've seen from the braves the past few weeks that they can i think they're a better team than the mets i honestly do i think they could have won all five of those games last week in new york Uh, i think that 
They could have won all three games against Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago. They could have won all three games this weekend against Milwaukee. And um, the moves that they make, I don't know if it necessarily makes them World Series contenders, but the way the starting pitching has been able to to go the past month or so, the way that um, the way that um, the bullpen has pitched the past two weeks and has been able to uh, get that help with Richard Rodriguez there later in the later in the game and their guy it's not just it's not just the top three guys in the order it was Ronald Acuna it was it was Ozzy it was Riley and it was um it was Freddie for most of the season and then after that there was really no threat in the lineup now you got now you got Freddie now you've got Ozzy. Now Dansby's been hot recently. Travis Darno is coming back. Uh, Ozzy's been hitting better as well. Scoring position, and he refuses to take a walk. But that's neither here nor there. I, I. It's a team that's getting better, and it's a team that guys are getting healthy. It, it's been a very frustrating team to watch, but. Um, the moves that he made will definitely keep them in the NL East race. And then, of course, in October, anything can happen. And so um, just good moves from Alex Anthopoulos, understanding that, you know, it's probably not the Braves year as of right now, but showing the team that you're not giving up on them and at least making moves that are cheap but are going to help the team is is definitely an encouraging encouraging thing. Yeah, we you give up virtually nothing in the Braves' eyes to get guys like Adam Duvall and Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson, and then the the move that you you really give up the most value by letting go of Bryce Wilson, Richard Rodriguez. He's a guy that this is not a, a deadline rental of a pitcher. He's, he's got multiple years of team control left. He's a guy that you can keep in the, in the bullpen over the next few seasons and have uh, a lot of versatility. He's, he's come out since he's been traded and he's, he's told the Braves organization that he's, he was a closer. He was the ninth inning guy in Pittsburgh, but you he'll he'll pitch wherever they need him to pitch at this point for Atlanta, which I, I really admire. There's not a lot of relief pitchers these days that are willing to kind of go out of their equilibrium out of their comfort zone to pitch in a situation that they aren't used to. But I think it's, it's definitely at the very least Atlanta will be able to, to build off of some of these moves to kind of carry them into next season when, you're gonna have Ronald Acuna back. We'll, uh, the the medi- the improvements in medicine. I, I anticipate him to come back stronger than ever next year. And getting Travis Darno back could even help towards the tail end of this season. Just from taking any any time you're replacing a a Stephen Vote or a Kevin Smith in the lineup with a Travis Darno who won the Silver Slugger in the National League last year at the catcher position. That's definitely 
a plus and a, a great improvement to your lineup. And I think the the really good point that you made was Richard Rodriguez has is under team control until I think it was 2025 or 2026 with arbitration. And, and so they are able to have him under team control. Jock Peterson, part of his deal is it was a one-year deal this year, but there was a team option for next year. And so he could possibly be back. And, you know, whether he's on, whether he is a very, very good bench player next year, or whether he takes right field and they move Acuna to center field remains to be seen. It also remains to be seen whether Christian Pache will be able to um, not disappoint, I should say. Uh, his production this year was – the glove was didn't make it all worth it. He, he Not only was he struggling at the play, but he was just putting up really terrible at-bats. And he's been struggling at AAA as well. We'll see – with Drew Waters, I don't have a lot of faith in him, to be honest with you. So getting a guy like Jock Peterson back will will also be very helpful for the future. Um, and then, of course, well, Jorge Soler is is just a um, is just a rental this year. He's a free agent, but who you know who who knows he he depending on what the MLB decides to do with a you know a, a, a DH across both leagues. He could be back and could be a DH guy as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely there's there's a lot of ways that Alex Anthopoulos can can work through with these with these contracts and the arbitration eligibility and things like that with these players. And at the end of the day, I I trust him to put a team out there on the field that can compete. It's a matter of if Brian Snicker can not mismanage the bullpen. Now, granted, that's a probably the most difficult thing to do for a manager but that's just the, it, it's the a trust. very it it seems like an easy decision to me that in a nine to one game you don't throw tyler matzik and in a one nothing game you don't throw sean newcomb that's pretty self-explanatory to me yeah so so that's gonna do it for this episode of the hopeless sports magnet podcast i hope you enjoyed our breakdown of a lot of the big trades in Major League Baseball leading up to the deadline. Chase, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how they can follow you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Chase Martos. You could also find my podcast at LGI underscore podcast. We are on the same platforms that, that you're on here, and, and you can find us on YouTube as well as the the streaming services. All righty. Go ahead and give Chase a listen. Thanks for listening to this episode of HSP. Go dogs.